0: Mic,
1: camera, action.
0: Hey, everybody stay calm. We'll be done soon, and then we'll be on our way. Bring me that knife. What's this symbol? I like symbol. This is the symbol of the goat, the pet of Satan. They say you have a case that belongs to me. Does it? Yes, like your lives. It was lost. He doesn't have it. Last time the case, he will force me to cut. Is hard out.
2: Do it, you piece of shit.
0: Wait. That's Respect is everything. Without respect, we're just people. Common shitty people. I'm sorry, sir. It's not your fault. Now what?
1: Welcome back to Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film for an actor's complete back catalogue, from past debut through to present day, in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from the focus filmography, and discuss how it ranks amidst their career, and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical ticks. For episode 29, I'm joined by the extraordinary Max Bam to discuss the 29th big screen appearance of the Stath in the Sly sequel, The Expendables 2. We watch, you listen, and hopefully watch along too. So Max, thank you so much for returning to the show to extend our discussion on Sly's third most famous franchise.
2: Oh, thanks for having me on, Jack. Thanks for having me back, I should say. Mm. I'm delighted I'm delighted to be here to discuss the, the second instalment of this wonderful, well, I was about to say wonderful trilogy, but of course, it's not anymore, <laughs> is it? It's a quadrilogy, <laughs> although whether the uh, fourth instalment is so great, I guess we'll discuss uh, a future date. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Thanks so much for having me back on.
1: Oh, uh, it's great. And, uh, you know, I always love spending time talking to you. And you know, we started on your own show talking about comics and then, transitions into my show talking about movies but we always have a good time i always like what you have to say and i really like this idea of getting the guests back for each kind of next franchise installment because we get to go on a journey together so it's going to be really interesting we've done the expendables and then we've got as you said now including this three more to go so i like hearing you that singular voice like all the way through yeah no, it's a cool idea. And he's got a lot of franchises as well, hasn't he, when you think
2: about it? He he's has, done a yeah. lot a lot of sequels to his own films, whether it's this or The Mechanic or The Meg or The Fast and the Furious. And there's probably loads more I've forgotten about. Transporter, of course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's plenty of uh, opportunities for that kind of thing. It's great.
1: There are. And I think this one's maybe maybe not most interesting, but I think because who he's with in this one, it's not it's not a stace franchise and I guess fast and furious isn't either really is it but it's no. one where he's a key figure but it's not like his per se so it's interesting to think of him in more of a god oh, i can't, can't think of words though. maybe supporting role is not quite right but he's not the star is he
2: no, his name isn't first on the call sheet, is it? By any stretch of the imagination. But um, I think it's fair to say he's second in, second mm. in command, uh, both literally and figuratively in, the, in the, the fictional world and the sort of the real billing of this franchise. He is like the, the second highest uh, billed person. Not necessarily the second biggest name because there are mm. some you know huge names that appear over the course of these four films in sort of varying sizes of, of cameo. But um, yeah, I think it's fair to say you know, other than obviously Sly who's sort of the creator and writer and director even of the first one of this franchise, mm. he is li- literally just behind him I think in the pecking order I would say.
1: To the point as you said, we've got expend- Expendables 4 or Expend 4 Balls however you're supposed to say, <laughs> that. I'm not sure <laughs> Expend 4 Balls is about right but um, yeah. he's kind of taken over at that point hasn't he? And I guess the idea was for him to maybe move on and maybe get his own trilogy of Expendable movies but Hmm. Whether well, that sees the light of day now,
2: I think I think it's fair to say that after the four, I mean, again, it's a discussion for another time. But I think it's fair to say that the fourth one is probably the last we're going to get. <laughs> but, um, you know, unless it's some direct to video, you know, mm. ultra, you know, low budget hack job, they should just let. Uh, and they, let's be fair, they probably should have let it lie anyway after leaving mm-hmm. such a big, such a big gap after the third one, and and sort of letting interest in the franchise wane. They should have done it two or three years after the third mm. one, really, rather than leave it so long. But um, but that said, even, you know, discarding that, I think, you know, well, as we'll discuss tonight, I think this this second instalment, my personal opinion, is by far the best of the, mm. of
1: the series.
2: That's what I think, anyway.
1: No, that's really interesting. I think there's so much about this film that feels like an improvement, feels like a, an advancement, perhaps, on the original. But there's a couple of things for me, personally, where I feel actually... It's lost a little bit of edge, but as you say, as we talk through it, we'll see whether you convince me otherwise, because I know that, I think I knew before we started that you felt that way about this one. Uh, there's a big reason, uh, and we'll definitely get into it, why this, this one has one elevated factor above all the others, and he generally okay. goes by his initials, and I think probably most people are mm-hmm. in agreement that the performance mm-hmm. of JCVD is the thing that really elevates this one.
2: It's a performance for the ages, <laughs> is it really?
1: Yeah.
2: How he wasn't on the, um, you know, when the big prizes were being handed out at, you know, the the Oscars and the BAFTAs and any other, the Golden Globes and every other basically award ceremony. <laughs> why, why his performance of Jean Villain wasn't, <laughs> wasn't there, uh, you know, it's it beggars belief really, but, you know, I guess that's Hollywood snobbery for you.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, you know, he's another one of those actors that's, been reluctant, perhaps, is the right way to put it, to take on villain roles because he saw himself as the kind of the inheritor of the '80s action star crown, didn't he, of being
0: mm. a hero?
1: But he would have had a lot to offer in a lot of different roles as a as a villainous character. I think, based on this.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think he's. I think he plays a great villain because he's. He, you know, is he the greatest actor in the world? No, but I think he's a lot better than he gets credit for, mm. and I think you know he's able to play malevolent and sinister um you know in albeit in a very broad big acting in inverted commas way (laughs) in this film it is something special um but yeah i think he would you know he could have been um but he still could i guess but he you know especially in his prime years he could have Mm -hmm. you know when, when the sort of the the trend was for villains in action blockbusters to be either british or broader european mm. he you know he would have been really good in some you know michael bay type films you know, back in those days in like a baddie and like a bad boys franchise mm. or something like that, he would have been great. Um, but like you said, he obviously, he, you know, his roles are mainly heroic. Um, as you know, like, like his, his, his predecessors and people in this franchise, you know, Arnie hardly ever, hardly ever, a couple of times played a villain in his mm. career. Sly, I think Sly only played it in Spy Kids 3 or something right. like <laughs> that. Um, you know, Bruce Willis, occasionally something mm. like the Jack, the Jackal or something like that. Um, but I suppose when you're a leading man, you don't want, and especially in the action genre, you are always cast as the hero, aren't you, rather than the villainous role?
1: Mm, it's true. The accent was all I was thinking of. But I and mean, you, you, um, you said it yourself, like that kind of proto Euro villainous character. Like he had that, and we wouldn't have to have written around why he speaks with a. And they always say French. Dan, in all his movies were they French, even though he's Belgian, with a French mm. accent. Um. That would have worked. And and do you know what? Here, he carries real threat. Mm. He's actually not in the film that much. Just, uh, screen time-wise, I wouldn't have said. But when no. he is, he feels like he is a problem for The Expendables, which the first movie villains didn't, really
2: yeah well he's, he's a genuine physical adversary in this film isn't he like you said the first film you had a, the main villain was eric roberts it mm. was a guy it was like a bureaucrat in a shirt and tie he didn't offer any physical physical i know he had um stone cold steve austin wow. with him who was the muscle but in terms of the main villain and when you go into the third film as well mel gibson although he's supposed to be like a former founder member of the expendable he's not really a, a great physical adversary for the team it's more the the verbal mental side even though he has that sort of one-on-one fight, or oh, the stunt doubles have the one-on-one fight at the end of, <laughs> in some emptied-out swimming pool or whatever it is at the top of a high-rise building. Um, but as this one, he is a genuine mm. physical adversary, isn't he? So he does carry that more, that threat. And um, you know, to date in the series, is the only villain to actually take the life of. Mm at um, one of the good guys as well. This is the only film in the entire, entire four film series where someone actually proves to be expendable, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes.
1: yeah. It's hilarious, isn't it? To name your film that and then to make everybody indispensable. I don't know what the opposite of expendable is, but um, yeah, it doesn't. It, it, it's a shame that they haven't done it more often, I think. Although we don't want to see big names go and we don't want to see heroes mm. die, when your crew is named the expendables, and none of them are expendable. It's a bit silly, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, they teased us with it in part four, didn't they? But the mm. the bait and switch that we all saw coming a mile off anyway. Yeah. When you know, poor Jumbo Shrimp or whatever his name was um, <laughs> was the uh, sacrificial lamb. But um, but yeah, it, yeah. T- you know, you you it, it's built as sort of like the um, you know these the, like the Suicide Squad really, mm. where n- mm. not all, not all will come back alive, kind of thing. But they always do all come back alive you know <laughs> with barely um, a scratch normally exactly exactly yeah um but yeah yes you know i suppose it's it's again it's not supposed to be taken too seriously it's all supposed to be taken with a pinch of salt all these films that's what makes them so great and you know they are that throwback style but um but yeah a little bit more jeopardy wouldn't go amiss but yeah like you said this film is the one time mm. we genuinely get that oh you know yeah someone's someone's gonna get it and you know someone does yeah
1: and even before that the event even before one of the expendables is killed off just just something about van damme's presence something about having scott atkins by his side as well of course basically Mm -hmm. paying boy boyka um sort of feels like (laughs) a boyka origin story if if his character had made it to the end which of course has yeah. a henchman, he doesn't, but it sort of feels like his origin story too. Mm-hmm. How he ended up in prison was from this. But yeah. yeah, just that scene when they were all in, I know we're jumping straight to the movie, but that scene when they're in the in the mist and the fog when they come out, mm-hmm. there's just a, yeah, I don't know. There's just, there's a presence about Van Damme and with Scott Atkins next to him. And there's a, there's a feel of like, oh shit, like they're in trouble here. And they're just, it's the only time I would argue in this movie that it feels that way. I think even at yeah. the end, there's not really a lot of jeopardy, and there's definitely none in the first movie. So it was welcome mm-hmm. for that one scene, at least.
2: Oh yeah, it's brilliant, and it, it, that's what's so good about Van Damme in this film is 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 like you say, his presence, but his his delivery is so off kilter in a way. It's like he's got the script and he's gone right. I'm just going to throw all the punctuation out of the script <laughs> and just d- deliver the lines, you know, in like a almost like a a Jeff Goldblum kind of way Mm -hmm. where he'll sort of do a sentence, but then sort of stop the sentence halfway through and not deliver it, you know, the way you and I would talk or, Mm -hmm. you know, quote quote unquote regular people would talk where you deliver something in a, in a certain way. He'll like say a line and then he'll, he'll he'll sort of gaze into the middle distance a bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. and sort of ruminate on what he's just said and then go back to the rest Mm -hmm. of his line. It's very, very off, offbeat performance, you know, rather than being, purely sort of moustache twirling mm. he's it, yeah his performance is, is big it's huge it's it's broad but it's yeah there's i don't know there seems to be a, like a weird dare i say sophistication to his performance or maybe i'm just looking for something that's not there I, i'm not sure if i've kidding kidding myself with that statement but yeah there just seems to be something quite intellectual about the way he performs mm. in the film yeah no
1: i love that that's i hadn't even thought of it but the way you've explained it makes total sense because he does have a weird, like, cadence to it and inflections the way that he talks, and that sense of like he's not quite existing on the same plane as us. Therefore, you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, I like that idea, and I think that probably is what he was going for. Yeah, I think
2: it adds to the character, like the unpredictability yeah. of like when he does kill. Well, I mean, you know,
1: I don't want to say too much mm-hmm. in case
2: we're not we're not in. I don't know if we're. Spoiling it, yeah, and, go for it. Yeah. So when he obviously kills Liam Pemsworth's Character whose whose death is
1: completely telegraphed earlier <laughs> earlier in the film. With I gotta sort of get intention. home to see my, my my girlfriend. Yeah,
2: yeah. What I'll I'll work till the end of the month. This is me notice. Oh. I'll do this <laughs> one last job and all this, you know, because I've got a I've got a girlfriend, you know. They give him someone outside of the group. He's the only well, actually no, apart from Statham, um, mm-hmm. he's young, you know, has like a life outside the group. So you know, it's it's You can see it coming a mile off, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that unpredictability because you're not sure if he's gonna. Uh, I mean, obviously, you do with the hindsight, but I, you know, I kind of cast my mind back to Fussy. You're not sure whether he's gonna let him go mm. or he's gonna kill him. Because then you think they're gonna are gonna let him go because you know, the chopper comes to take them away, and he tells the the guys to just lie on the ground till we're gone. And you think he's gonna save the boy because he seems to have a he seems to have almost a, a little bit of honour about him because he could literally have just blown them all away there and mm. then, and that's the end of that, isn't it? You don't have to worry about them then. Um, but he sort of says, oh, you, you know, sort of honour amongst fighting men or whatever. So, you know, we'll leave you to it. And But you're not quite sure if he's going to do it. And then, obviously, he does in the most <laughs> dramatic and um, ridiculous oh, way, to, way to kill a man you could ever come across. But it's great, isn't it?
1: Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, they should have just put Liam Hemsworth in a red shirt for the whole movie, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're right. It's so telegraphed. It's that classic, like, war movie stuff. But as a trekkie, as a trekker, whatever the common term is nowadays, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't care. I like Star Trek. You call me what you want. Um, yeah. That, that old like cliche of the red shirt. They just he just needed to be in it because it's he it was never coming out this movie alive.
2: Oh no no no
1: no! You know it, it,
2: it's the, the first one in, first one out. Last sorry, last yeah, one in, first yeah, one out. Isn't yeah yeah it? yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's it is ridiculously sort of you know. Put out there for all to see. Um, but Even his expendables
1: you... code name, you know, he's he's Billy the Kid. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So he's the one that everyone cares about. He's the night, you know. <laughs> of course, he's going to go. Like, yeah, yeah. It's you
2: necessity. know, because he's yeah, exactly. You know, they make that comment when after the the, the first mission, where they're sort of chilling out at the bar and slides like, "This life isn't for you, is it?" And he's like, "No, nah, I don't think so." You know, so you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna cost him, you know. But that does that does lead though to one of the most Ridiculous bits of dialogue ever when they have the sort of the makeshift uh, burial for him a funeral and oh, they, sort yeah. of gathered around the grave, and Sly's like takes the time to like ruminate on the meaning of life, and he says, you know, why is it that those that deserve to to live die and those of us that deserve to die the most live. And then he sort of goes to the guys, what's the message in that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, As if, as if, as if you'd say that, as if, as, if you, as if anyone in life would actually say that to, you know, especially a bunch of like, you know, military grunts. You wouldn't just go, yeah, well, you know, we life's not fair but hey what's the message in that guys mm. who who even talks like that but it, you know it, I did laugh when I rewatched that last week when I was refreshing my memory it was yeah it, it was kind of like sinking into the couch while I was watching it oh in, absolutely
1: borderline embarrassment but yeah it is great <laughs> it, it's funny isn't it it doesn't land at all but you think of some of the stuff that Stallone has written I mean the one that always mm. sticks with me and maybe a lot of people I don't know is the Rocky Balboa mm. you know doesn't matter how hard you can hit it only matters how hard you can get hit and keep like what a beautiful line that is. And the moment with his son and it's so powerful. He is capable of writing these like Mm -hmm. mantra lines. We know, but yeah, this one doesn't land at all. The whole, that whole scene is, is madness that he's reading out this personal letter that (laughs) um, Billy's written for his girlfriend. That whole, I I find that whole subplot a bit weird. It's kind of like a a world war subplot. Mm. Like, Billy's the, yeah, like, he's the sacrificial lamb, if you like, within the team that was never going to make it. He's got this French nurse girlfriend, which sounds very, like, World War One. Yeah, who he met when he was serving in Afghanistan or something, as you yeah. do. He's got yeah. this letter in his pocket, and it's that classic war movie thing, isn't it? Where like, take my letter and give it to my loved one. Is my thought Like, it's, it's a weird yeah. subplot in, like, a, in what is a modern action movie.
2: Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. I mean, it would have been great if he what he'd written had been a really like saucy X-rated letter, <laughs> to her. And, and Sly had to read that read that out at the funeral, and everyone everyone's like you know looking at the ground, embarrassed, and and the uh, the lady who joins the team as well is like mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on here? You know, um, I suppose that's a bit insensitive on me, isn't it? Really, to spoil the beauty of the moment. But um, but yeah, it is weird, isn't it? It's, it seems so kind of like not shoehorned in, but like. Really, sort of out of place with the tone mm. of the film because the tone of the film is is very light in a way, isn't mm. it? You know, it's, it's it's so it's so played for laughs with so many parts of it, and and you know, some of the other appearances by some of you know the the veteran like the Chuck Norris cameo is pure comedy, you know, sly yeah. and the exchange between uh, bruce willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the end battle is just pure purely for laughs none of it's serious uh, but then yeah you just have this sort of moment that's supposed to be this like heavy dramatic moment full of pathos mm. and it just kind of it kind of sticks out like to sore thumb but i but yeah, i do yeah. like it
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean it's one of the you like it because of the ridiculousness and i loved your impression mm. like that idea of like sinking into the couch it's absolutely right that is how it feels it's like oh you're going for something again. oh it's not working and the scene yeah. is still going oh and it's still going mm. oh no and it's still like <laughs> it seems to take forever to get past it as well it's a little bit of a soggy section of the movie i think mm. i think the opening we'll go back to the start in just a minute the opening up until billy the kid's death is good pretty mm. strong particularly the first the pre-credit sequence is awesome I'd it's say it's probably the, it's the best bit of Expendables there is out there. I think hands down, hands down. And the end is pretty strong as well in the airport, mm-hmm. but that yeah. kind of middle section is a bit stodgy. I think in this movie, mm.
2: yeah, it does kind of the pace kind of slackens off a bit, doesn't it? Really, it's it's a bit of a shame. I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying about the action. The action in this film is is a cut above anything else mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. franchise. But I think that's to do with the director Simon West. He, you mm-hmm. know, he'd done Con- he'd done Con before this, and uh, the Obviously, done the mechanic with Statham, mm. and um, what's the other film he did? He directed Wildcard with with Statham mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, it's some working relationship there. But yeah, the way he shoots the action is so much. And we talked about it at length when we talked about the first Expendables film that you can't see what's going on mm-hmm. because Sly's Sly's directing style and all the whip pans and the the you know editing every like split second of a frame is, is a new shot and you can't see what's going on, but here you can, you really get a look for it. And you, and, you know, the camera moves with the action, you know, it, it is so much better. I think mm. the quality, like, like we say, we can say about the dialogue and some of the, the weird choices and things, but the, the action in this film is, is a cut above, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree. Choreography strong. As you said, camera lets us actually see what's going on as does the lighting the cinematography yeah particularly let's go to the start of the movie shall we particularly in that opening 10 minutes which is the expendable storm on like some sort of military compound isn't it where a mysterious figure is being tortured
2: Yes, under the uh, hood. Um, mm. Yeah, because they're there to rescue some, I think it's a Chinese scientist or something like that, isn't he? But obviously, we discover there's a another player who's also also been sent to do the same mm. thing, but it's not it's not gone so well for him. I mean, that is a huge surprise. Appear- you know, obviously, you know, is in the film. Everyone mm. knows that. But as as a great opening to have him in the opening sequence when they pull the hood off his head and it's him, and then there's that back and forth dialogue he has with the team. You know, like calling Dolph uff longer than Frankenstein and <laughs> the rest of it um that's very cool big gun it is but then it's kind it of weird how harry Cruz
1: is big weapon doesn't
2: he it does don't we all um <laughs> but then but then it's it's kind of weird how would they say, right well, you know oh dear, this is this is how awkward this is but mm. um you Know and then they, they sort of leave the room and he goes, You go this way, I'll go that way, and then he's never seen again. Yeah. So how, do, how does he go? He goes, Yeah, I've got a team waiting for me, but where is said team? Why didn't they come in and, and mm. rescue him? You know, um, he must have the worst team, and then and then you never see his team. It's when he shows up, it's always like it's just him, isn't he? he? Never brings any of his his crew with him ever across the three films that he's in.
1: No, that's true. I did wonder yeah. whether he was pulling like a black widow, but like he was letting himself be captured and tortured in order to get close to. Know, like at the start of the avengers yeah yeah maybe he was yeah. that, this sort of doesn't sell that really but i just wonder whether because yeah it doesn't make any sense that that trench has been caught that he's this other great you know equal to barney and he's been caught yeah. and yeah it's a weird scene isn't it it's great that it's him yeah let we get him so early on i agree with that but it, it doesn't pay off that it's him
2: no, I mean, I suppose it gives him, it serves as a purpose because it gives him a reason to then go and rescue them, doesn't it, when they're trapped mm, mm. at the end of the film. And because like, Slice says, well, I guess that makes us even now, doesn't it? And he goes, mm. yeah, yeah, it, it does. And obviously he hangs around for the for the end fight. Um, so I suppose it serves as, I think they put maybe they just put it in as a plot device for him mm. to have a reason to show up in the, you know, in the middle of eastern europe to go and rescue them when you know you think why would he why would he bother you know so i suppose it i suppose it's just that to give him a reason to show up but yeah it as taken in isolation it it's a bit of a weird cameo but it is great
1: <laughs> of course yeah absolutely we get um terry Kreisney, like your ass is terminated and all this kind of stuff <laughs> uh, Good. I, know, I know that's kind of the right reaction how did you feel in general about the kind of referencing and meta comedy and buddy banter in this movie Would you think it works it does i think it does if you're in on the joke you know
2: like guys like us who know these films and know these actors and know that you know the banter especially the chuck norris stuff where he, sure. he sort of <laughs> comes out with the chuck norris one of the, like the chuck norris facts when he talks about the king cobra and everything and um and you can see he's having a really good time with it as well um and you know there's a certain joy to see you know Bruce Willis and Schwarzenegger Trader, mm. a trade out be back and, and yippie and all that you know it's it's you know if you're a fan of those guys and a fan of that you know their signature roles then to see them sort of come out with that it's great i mean it takes you out of the film doesn't it it, it really does, does. Yeah. It, it completely takes you out of the film because it immediately takes you out of the film and makes you think of the films the referencing mm. um, but at the same time you you've, you've got to be kind of a heart of stone person and pretty paul faced to not to not enjoy it and you know Get off on that kind of thing. I mean, you know, you can say it serves literally no purpose, <laughs> mm. but um, but overall, yeah, it's it's good fun. I, I
1: I can't I can't really critique it too much. What do you think? I agree with you. I think it gives you that little rise sense of like, oh yeah, that's fun. Um, I think I, I prefer the ones later on. I prefer the Arnie Bruce Willis like trading, but I, but perhaps that's because it's those two and how well-known they are for their quips and how good they are at delivering their quips maybe you know I like Terry Crews I think he's amazing in in Brooklyn Nine-Nine but um Mm. I don't think he he didn't quite sell that that earlier moment to me so uh, maybe it's more to do with like his delivery of it and because when it's Willis and Willis is on fire in this movie he's on like Willis form every time Mm. he's on screen in this I'm so happy to see him
0: yeah when it
1: when it's those two like trading backwards and forwards I don't know it's a it's a bit it's a bit too much it's a bit of a shame they couldn't like come up with new ones come up with their own like you know come up with expendables quotes which we could we could take forward and yeah. could hit the zeitgeist and stuff but yeah it's still nice to hear it isn't it i think i'll be back no you've been back enough i'll be back oh yippee guy like that's kind of that's cute and fun isn't it
2: it is, isn't it? It's just—it's silly. It's throwaway. It's—it's mm. it's there. It's there to make the fans laugh. So you can't knock it too much. And again, if you're looking for, you know, high drama and you mm. come to the, you come to the wrong
1: place, haven't you?
2: Really, you know, you know what you get in um, <laughs> here. So yeah. you may as well, you may, you may as well just go with it and enjoy it and take it for what it is. Really, I think.
1: No, I agree, and that, and I think the opening establishes that if you didn't know if you if you missed expendables one and you're just coming tuning in for expendables two the opening just tells you exactly what you're gonna get. you get like mad Max style jeeps you get like <laughs> a, a zip line escape like out of tango and cash yeah. but you know but 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 plus you get like a uh like a go fast boat chase you get like the seaplane scooping up jet skis it's all brilliant it's like and this and this and this and it's just it's it's over the top and um like macho, but just so much fun. It's like a little mini movie. It's brilliant. Oh, it is.
2: It is. It's it's got everything in that opening ten minutes, hasn't it? It's got absolutely everything. And and like you said, you don't need to have seen the first one to to dive straight in. Because none you know, other than statham's attempt in the first film with there's no there's no backstory for any character per se they just they just exist within this team so you can literally just turn it on and enjoy it Um, Mm. but it's great i mean there's you know there's it's well well put together there's literally no subtlety each vehicle's got like some message on it Uh. it, as well (laughs) knock knock or yeah i can't remember what else is written on but
1: ah well i was gonna quiz you on that oh right yeah (laughs) i might come up short here but i'll have a go all right so um Mm. yeah so there's Three vehicles. Yeah, you've got Toll Road and Hal Caesar in one. You've yeah. got Gunner and Ying Yang in the other, Jet Li's character. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Bar- I know it's great isn't it. You've got and Barney and Christmas in the third. So between yes. the three vehicles, there are four sayings. Isn't is one knock knock? One is not knock. One that's is knock. That's, on- that's on Gunner and Ying Yang's. They've got like an yeah. extendable pole they use to push through the. The wall, it says knock-knock, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um Oh, no. it would be something ridiculous, like, you know, die or, you know. I, I can't even,
1: I can't. Go on, put me out of my misery. What does <laughs> it say? So on Toll Road and Hell Caesar, they've got bad attitude. That's
2: it. That's it, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's all stenciled in that kind of like A-team, like <clears> stencil, like, <laughs> as well. And then on Barnian these they've got shock and awe on the front and they've got uh coming soon on the back on the scoop they've got on the back which is quite cool because barney does like a 180 doesn't he and then reverses through the barricades and, and there it says like coming soon which i think is quite cute and quite funny
0: but That's, again it's just yeah.
1: another thing that tells you the layer of the level sorry not layer the level definitely not layer the level of thing that you're getting there's nothing sophisticated about these but there's fun
2: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, they, they are the like we said in the in the last discussion, they are the least covert covert black <laughs> ops team you'll ever come across. I mean, it is ridiculous. Um, no, but it's it's very cool. It's very cool. I mm. love the zip line escape as well. I think that's mm. really well shot together. Although they seem to zip line like through pylons and things because you think yeah. well, they, they're going. Th- you think the zip line can't c- carry on because you're at like a partition, but it just mm. goes and goes and goes and goes, doesn't it, all the way down. Um, but you know, it's best not to think about these things, really. Definitely not. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but it is, it's very, very good. And you know, the stuff on the water is pretty cool as well. Mm. And then the, the, the end where they blow up the bridge, it's a very, um, it's a very cool uh, sequence, really, and then we get the the Statham's immortal line about Chinese takeout oh. when, uh, when, <laughs> when 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 um, when Yang uh, decides to, due to Jet Li's scheduling conflicts, drop mm. out of the film and never be seen again till the end of the third film, mm. uh, to obviously take this uh, uh, scientist or doctor back to you know home or whatever. Um, And yeah, he goes on a brilliant line. That's what I call Chinese takeouts. Um,
1: (laughs) And just before that, Dolph Lundgren's gunnery said, like, who am I going to pick on now? And Jet Li says, uh, oh, you'll find a new minority. So That's probably the best bit of banter in the movie, actually, that whole scene
2: yeah no it's good it's good um i think you know it's 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 the panther's a bit sharper in this one than i think in the first film and what's what's good as well is that this film as well the whole team is together throughout the film doing everything mm. as like a, a five or a, a six i suppose um because they have um uh, maggie joins up with them obviously billy's mm. died suddenly so it leaves them a six um whereas in the first film it the whole team is only together at the very start when they, they um kill those Somalian pirates, mm. and then and then at the very end for the you know the the huge ending to the first film. But in between, the the whole team are not working together. Good point. You get yeah. some- you get Stone and Statham going to the island by themselves. Don't they to do like the recon work, and then they have the the big shootout there, and then they come back with the team. Mm. Um, but uh, and, and other than that, you don't see them apart from then. Um, obviously, you had the bit with Jet Lee where he has the fight with Dolph Lundgren, mm. when Lundgren, Lungren turns heel for a bit, and then gets very easily forgiven <laughs> for tr- for trying to kill them. You know, you know, just write it off as oh, it was the drugs. So it'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> once, <laughs> once he goes cold turkey, we'll forgive him for trying to kill us and sell us out. And all that, but um, but yeah, but whereas in this film it, it is like the team is the team, and and they're all the way through, you know. When in, in the middle section, it's no one's going off doing side quests. It's still like they're all together, together doing, mm. you know, t- team. So I like that. It, it, that's what I think for me makes it a lot better than the first one. In that you you fleshing out, you know, Terry Crews and Randy Couture, mm. uh, given a lot, given a lot more to do in this film, aren't they? Dolph Lundgren is too. Um, obviously, you're taking Jet Li out of the film, but you know that side it's it's a lot more it's a lot more of an ensemble piece isn't it
1: that's a really good point do you think the film misses jet lee
2: yes and no um mm-hmm. i think you know i think it misses him because he's a different type of um like his visual action style is different to the others you know he's more diminutive he's a martial artist so mm-hmm. he's not you know you get a bit of that at the start where he's you know Bashing people with the saucepan right, on so. the face, comedy style. Uh, it's like something out of Bottom, really. You know, they all <laughs> sauce they're all saucepan to the face. Um, so yes, but then at the same time, he's not. He's not a huge loss, is he? I think you know, the the, the banter scenes probably work better without him. You know, I don't think it's you know his delivery doesn't isn't the way he delivers a line isn't really suitable to like quick fire banter and all mm. that. Um, you know, so maybe not. And then they pro- if he had stuck around the whole time, there probably would have been some really ham-fisted effort to put him and Maggie together as, you know, belonging to the same, roughly the same ethnic group. Something then they would have made some ham-fisted romance or something between the two. So <sighs> although it's, it's a shame he's not in it more, I don't think it's a, a massive loss mm. overall to the firm. What do you reckon?
1: No, I think you're right. It's surprising because we're talking about Jet Li mm. not being a massive loss, mm. and we know yeah. how talented Jet Li and what he is and yeah. what he can bring to the table. But I think of the crew of the Expendables, he probably is the most expendable. And I think for I think you brilliantly I couldn't say any better than you have done for all those reasons you you laid out that. In the way that in the dynamics of the group, he's kind of the outside one. He always was in the first movie, anyway. They spoke about how like, nobody really knew anything about him. He makes up these mm-hmm. stories, doesn't he? About I've got this family that I've got to provide for, and mm-hmm. so he was always kind of a little bit on the on the periphery, anyway. So it makes yeah. it makes sense. I mean, because we bring in Sean claude and we bring in Scott Adkins and we bring in Nan Nan Yu, I think, plays Maggie. Yeah. Um, yeah you're bringing these people, we are we are adding to the cast anyway, aren't we? Oh um
2: exactly yeah and we're getting Chuck so, Norris as well and yeah more, more Rowney and more Bruce than in the first film. So they, they they're certainly adding to the pot rather than taking away from it, aren't they?
1: Yeah it's a shame but I think he gets a really good scene. Um he get he gets a like a payoff line before he goes, which is him kind of owning his place within the expender was like, yeah, of course you'll, mm. you'll find something else to say. So yeah, yeah I think it, it's handled, it's handled nicely. I think. Yeah, I do. It's,
2: it's, it's brief, but it, it's worthy. So um, at least he, you know, they get to bring him back in the next film, but again, only a very small role where he's not doing a lot really in the third film. He's basically firing a gun out of the side of the chopper with the, uh, he doesn't do any fighting as such, does he? He just turns up to help Harrison Ford and, Schwarzenegger and the chopper at the end aren't they they don't get on the ground and get involved but um, I cannot least, remember him on the way back
1: sorry yeah I cannot remember him in the third film at all so that, that probably says a lot
2: oh that's, that's literally all he does when when um, they have the obviously the big fight and, and Harrison Ford decides to enter the fray doesn't he and get his flight suit on and fly the chopper and Schwarzenegger turns up to help him and he's brought yin yang along with him i think who's like sort of the insinuate that he's sort of joined schwarzenegger's team or something like mm. this you know, so and they literally are just you know firing guns out of this chopper they don't you know they don't get involved and get into it and you know start punching people or anything so it's again it's probably they only could probably only get him for a couple of days or something like that mm. so mm. you know and and you know reading about this film they said the exit of this film it wasn't uh purely a creative choice it was purely because that's all. The, he's, he had something else scheduled, so they only had him for a very limited window. So it was either they do it that way, or he's not in the film at all. So they, I think they did the best with what they had, didn't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think all his stuff was filmed in Hong Kong, wasn't it? Like where he was when he was doing his filming, yeah. and they just so it's pretty seamless how they managed to to get to fit it all in. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. know, they knew they were going to kill somebody off in this movie. I'd rather they. Wrote him out in the way they did, then he was the one that was killed off. I'm glad they yeah. brought in like a sacrificial lamb rather than kill off the Jet Lee character.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it left it leaves that door open, then doesn't it, for him to, i be said, step back in, albeit briefly, in the third film. So, I guess if you, you you're going to kill off the lesser name, aren't you? You know, although Liam mm. Hems has gone on to, you know, star in in films, and you know, he's probably a, a bigger name now than a lot of the people in this film at the time obviously he was young wasn't he he was quite mm. new he was you know in the shadow of his more famous older brother from the marvel world mm. so you know i suppose it would, it would have been probably frowned upon more and that probably wouldn't have gone down as well with the fan base if they had killed jet lee off so i think I agree. It, yeah i yeah. think it was a wise decision not yeah. to do it i think it was yeah keep keep him around
1: for uh, for future uh, opportunities So, yeah wise decision Mm. interesting he didn't have to work out the month though he didn't have to see the month out like Billy did he
2: he's allowed true. to just go
1: I mean, seniority maybe and he put in his
2: time yeah
1: maybe because yeah he'd been there longer he'd accrued more holiday leave <laughs> or something like that <laughs> I just find that line so weird Like, you work for the Expendables you don't work you don't get paid a monthly wage surely you get paid a percentage of whatever the team earns when they do a mad mission it's so exactly. weird it's like yeah I'm going to see the month out
2: yeah, I can't imagine they're on salary, are they? Like no. you know, you, you get paid X amount a week. Yeah, like you said it'll just be a, a cut of the the money, and you know, seniority rules. You probably would get the least cut. Mm. But yeah, um, unless he was just you know knew that because in indeed, like the the mission that they go on where he meets his end that's only given to them after that exchange because mm. then because they have that discussion and then and then sly randomly decides to ride his bike to That's it so just at, at, at night to just go leave the party and just go and have a look at the airplane you know just <laughs> go and have, just, just go and take a look at doesn't
1: it doesn't tell anyone just cuts out just ghosts everyone i'm just off yeah
2: yeah, he's like, yeah. You know, the knight's young, and he just decides to drive to the airfield and look at the plane. And then, obviously, Bruce Willis. Is waiting. And mm. you get the impression it wasn't a planned meeting. Obviously, he hadn't arranged mm. to meet it because it's like a surprise. He's like, "Oh shit!" And then, obviously,
1: how long had Church been waiting there for? How long could he have been waiting there for? It's like,
2: wait, how, how did he know? How did he know he was going to be there as well? Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? Is he psychic, or did he,
2: you know, cause it somehow? It, 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 it literally has no, cause he couldn't have followed in there. Cause if he'd have followed in there, he wouldn't be waiting for in there. Yeah. So it defies, it defies all logic really. Um, but yeah, but, but what was I saying? Oh yeah. So that mission was like force on them anyway, wasn't it? Mm. It wasn't like, he wasn't saying I'll work the month out. Um, and yeah, we've got this mission mm-hmm. now. That mm-hmm. We're going to go and rescue this McGuffin um, item from this plane. Um, it was like, I'll just, you know, I'll what what is next? You know, did they have something next? And, mm. you know, he couldn't possibly known that this job was coming because no one did. It was literally like he turns up with Willis and goes, "Right, you're doing this because you owe me. If you don't, I'll th- I'll throw you in a hole in Guantanamo Bay or whatever it is he says to him." So yes, yes, but uh, maybe we're uh, asking too much for a bit of logic in this <laughs> film. <laughs>
1: yeah, who needs logic? Yeah. What yeah, we yeah, need yeah. instead yeah. is some rampant misogyny from Stallone when Willis's church tells him that he's going to put Maggie on his team because she's like a code breaker and they need her for the yeah. safe. He's like a woman I'm yeah. not a babysitter it's so... <laughs> again it's so weird
2: uh no I know it's is, it's is a bit out there but her uh, the her character is good though because they give they make her like you know very much a capable character mm. she says mm-hmm. she's like she says I'm combat proficient and she is whereas in the first film you had um the general's daughter who was uh, although she was like a tough person she was fun at the end she was fundamentally the damsel in distress mm. wasn't she that they had to go and rescue um whereas at least in this film you get in a you know a strong female character so i, I like that they kind of redressed that balance mm. a little bit even like you said despite you know the ridiculous uh response he gives at the start like we ain't taking no no women on on jobs and things but uh you know at least they made a sort of equal to the guys didn't they
1: Oh agreed. Yeah. She she the holes around in the gunfights, doesn't she? She tortures some of the guys when they're in off camera, but she does Oh, the yeah. torture in Bulgaria. Yeah. Yeah, she, she has a, a
2: little torture kit in her back pocket. <laughs> like, you know, just carry it around because you never know when you're gonna have to torture somebody, you know. The the you know, she has that in a in a in a kit.
1: Um so it's an yeah, important was, skill to have, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
2: It is. Well, you never know when you're gonna have to pry some information out of some, you know, some bad guy in Back end of Eastern Europe, so you know, <laughs> have you torch kit ready? I guess, but um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, she's given good stuff to do, and you know, she's very much involved in the end fight, and mm. you know, when they decide to help the villagers as well, there, mm. you know, she's involved in that. So yeah, they give her plenty to do. It's 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 good to see, I suppose.
1: And Jet Li Jingyang was absolutely right in his prediction because Dove lunkrin does just start replacing his xenophobic is maybe the right word, comments that he yeah. aimed towards Ying Yang, towards her instead, doesn't he? About like, oh, I could I could eat, when they're having their dinner, they're like having their, yeah. what looks like army rations or like spacemen food. I guess Chinese tonight. But she's quick enough to come back, as yeah, she? She's yeah. like, I'd rather eat Italian. Sly, hello. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she's up for that banter too. Yeah, I thought they might have paired them up or something,
2: her and Sly, you know, because it's, like you said, this kind of they kind of hinted at, isn't it? Mm. But I suppose suppose, he's got no time for such things, Barney, has he? In the first one, it was hinted at with the the, Mm. uh, general's daughter that they might be a a free son of something there, even though both women are probably at least 30 years, at least Mm. 30 years younger than him. But, you you know, I I guess he's just, um, he's married to the mission,
1: isn't he, Barney? He's
2: all business.
1: He is. I also wonder whether there's some coding going on here and whether Barney doesn't like women.
2: He disapproves oh, okay.
1: of Tool and his bit of stuff in the first movie, doesn't he? Jeremy right, brings yeah. in like a biker chick. Yeah, He's he does. Like, yeah. Oh, going up there for sex with, with a biker yeah. chick. Yuck. He disapproves of Charisma <laughs> Carpenter and, and Lee Christmas being in a relationship. He does. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, pursue yeah. these women who are basically throwing themselves at him. Mm. I wonder if there's like some, maybe maybe I'm now reading way too much, it's where there's some subtle coding of like, women are not his thing. Yeah,
2: could be. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It happens in the third film, in on that score, I don't think the. No, I don't think there are any in the third, other than Ronda Rousey when he he sort of recruits the younger talent. Mm. So, yeah, um, he yeah, certainly maybe. seems
1: to enjoy penetrating
2: Velaine at the end of the movie. He does, doesn't he? And he's, you know, he says, "You want to man up? I'll man you up." <laughs> he does say, um, that. "Absolutely, he does, he does, doesn't he?" Guys, um, oh, you, you've just unlocked a whole new to this film my god could be i'd never i've never thought about it i think that there'll probably be some essay somewhere somewhere mm. online about it which will break it down for you there'll probably be throughout the entire script there'll be uh certain key phrases or there'll be certain looks in the film that he gives as well you know um you know he's very pally with christmas isn't he i think mm. there's a very strong bond there and like you said he you know Maybe maybe he wants him for himself. I don't know. Yes, it, that's an interesting theory. I'd have to I'll have to
1: revisit it and and see where that sits. Mm. Well, I have to say it's it's massively rewatchable. So I watched it about ten days ago. I think whenever we had initial mm. plans to do this, we? then we mm. a couple we've had to rearrange it a couple of times, but we're here now, and that's what matters. Yes, all, all so, things come to those who wait. Absolutely. So I stuck <laughs> it on today whilst I was doing stuff, and I thought I'll just yeah. have it in the background, but I kept. Drifting, and I kept drifting, and I kept drifting. I ended up just watching it. I'm sure you could find some time to to sit yourself down and watch it again. But through the through the queer lens to see if Barney is in love with Lee and wants him for himself.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he probably does. You know, it's. I think. Um, yeah, he was willing to fake his own death to protect him in the fourth film. So yeah, yeah, I think I think he could be onto a winner there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole new project, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely. Rewatching yeah. to try and see if we can find out if there's uh, any of the subtext in there somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure Sly would vehemently deny such a thing. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's there. Mm,
1: absolutely. You mentioned um, Chuck Norris, that he arrives when they're off in Bulgaria, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, his yeah, en- is his a-
1: entrance is great as well, isn't it?
2: It is brilliant, isn't it? The way he, the, you know, they're, they're sort of facing certain death, aren't they? Because they're cornered, they're out, they're literally out of ammo, mm. and there's about ten heavily armed guys bearing down on them. So they're kind of like, you know, oh, this is it. And then they all get mown down, and he sort of emerges from the smoke, you know, <laughs> and he's this mythical guy Booker who like the what's he called the Lone Wolf, I think he's called, isn't mm-hmm. he? Or some, the Lone Ranger or the Lone Wolf is that It's the like
1: Wolf isn't it because I think isn't that Long Wolf. one of his previous roles as well. Yeah.
2: Lone Wolf McQuaid, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it is I mean it's 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 pure ridicule. I mean it is ridiculous and he looks ridiculous as well. He has he has the most ridiculous dyed beer dyed beard I think I've ever seen.
1: I you know? well is his or is Sly's worse. That's a great that's a great question that slice dyed beard and eyebrows and hairpiece, I'm not sure,
2: yeah, yeah, it is kind of bonkers, isn't it yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but um yeah it is it is great, yeah, um mind you speaking of of, of weird looks have you did you notice as well during the film that so, so often when there's sort of dialogue scenes it seems to be shot in this weird kind of
1: soft focus, oh okay kind of, kind of way
2: you, I didn't
1: but so they were putting on they were putting on the um the filter where they
2: yeah yeah seriously when watch when you rewatch it, it unless it was my my version
1: of it or something maybe it was mm. my uh stream
2: on Amazon uh not not working right but in the dialogue scenes a lot of it was shot in in like soft focus whether they're mm. trying to make certain certain leading actors look um you know 10 to 15 years younger than they actually were in real life at the time but yeah, there's a, a very weird look to it. Um, really weird creative choice that. Um, but uh, anyway, I digress.
1: But yeah, no, no. I, but I think I think you I think you answered your own yeah. question. You said it. I think it's probably, yeah, it's a de It's de aging before de aging.
2: Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, before <laughs> they uh, they develop the technology, I think it was the best they could do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, back to Norris. I mean, he he does very. I mean, he you know he's. Even back then, he was an old man. Mm. Um, you know, he, then he would have been in his seventies. I mean, he's eighty something now. Um, so obviously, he's, these days of sort of you know dealing out roundhouse kicks and you know fighting off terrorists with karate um, are <laughs> long <laughs> gone. But um, I mean, he does very little in it other than sort of drops some doubt and then and then randomly turns up at the end. Yeah, you know. He, he he saves them all and then they say come and join us and, he's, and he makes this big thing about no I work alone I work alone you know you know this ban, you know I work alone and don't be silly you know it and then and then just randomly turns up at the airport <laughs> out of nowhere out of nowhere and then hitches a ride home you know you know you know. I operate in this country you've basically killed everyone so therefore I have no no like business anymore so uh, off, off the to is new for me you know um it It is
1: ridiculous, isn't it? But you can't help but like it. Oh, agreed. And I think that him in the airport is kind of fun. Retrospectively now, thinking about talking to you, I think it kind of takes away a little bit. Because that first scene is so good. You know what I mean? Like you say, he mows down all these men. He blows up a tank. He <laughs> emerges out of the smoke and delivers you know, some of the famous Chuck Norris facts and all that stuff. I think all oh, that's brilliant. But then when you see him later... And he stood next to Arnie and Bruce Willis and you're like, oh, okay. I like Chuck Norris and he's, he's had his moment and he was in Mm. some fun B movies and, but he's not Bruce. He's not Arnie. I think it just takes a bit of that power away. Unfortunately
2: yeah he was never on their level even in the peak of his powers was he he was never you know he never starred in those sort of a a category blockbusters he was very much like a canon films guy mm. i mean you know you know me i'd love those i love those films i, I worship canon movies so I, it's it's all good for me i love it um but yeah he was never on their level he was a bit more of a um, you know, go and rent one from the video shop in the mm. '80s kind of guy, wasn't it? You didn't really see Chuck Norris films at your local cinema even back then, not really. Mm. Anyway, um, so no, he was never a star. But I mean, I, I like that they put him in there at least, give him that that moment in the sun, you know, mm. um, to at least acknowledge his place in the in the in the pantheon. Um, but yeah, it's it's daft, it's silly, but. You know, it, it, you would have to not be, you know, unless you've got like a very weird personality, if you don't have a big beaming smile on your face when he's on screen, mm. you know, just the ridiculousness of it. I mean, it, I read somewhere that he he actually was very reluctant to do it because he'd kind of, that something like he'd forsaken violence or something like this. So he didn't want to uh, be okay. in a film. He didn't want to be in a film with like, um, you know, violence, even though he must kill about 20 Twenty blokes <laughs> in this film easily, easy um, yeah. between that scene and then him showing up at the airport for a bit more. He must kill twenty to thirty men single-handedly with just mows them down with a machine gun, um, like it's nothing. Mm. Um, but he, he was sort of very reluctant to do it um, because I think they were sort of betwixt and between what kind of rating to go for in this film anyway. Because if you you can tell a lot of the the the, the blood is added
0: to mm. digitally,
2: isn't it? There's a lot, I think they were they were toying with pg-13 which they ended up doing for the third film
0: mm-hmm.
2: um but with this one they we're going for it but then decided no let's stick stick with that kind of more r-rated territory so yeah. you can clearly tell can't you in a lot of the shots you know the blood is very cgi rather than using like practical squibs they've kind of had a change of heart late in the day and and, and added that in um mm. but they get away with it i think for the most part
1: yeah it is it's, it's... I'm sure now the technology is good enough that it's hard. It's probably quite hard to tell. It's not quite here in this day and age. I agree with you. I think the CGI blood is pretty noticeable, and there's nothing like a good squib, is there? Like it's no, it's no. got to be one of the best inventions ever in cinema. I think is the squib.
2: Oh, absolutely! I completely agree. I completely agree, I th- and I would have liked, especially because we're here, we're shooting for that kind of throwback action film as well. You know, you know, bringing back. Guys from yesteryear and guys from a certain era, guys from a certain age group. So it was a shame they didn't have a bit more of that. And a lot of it in the first film was kind of CGI blood mm. as well. You mm. know, when the you see in the in the first one when they're mowing down guys left, right, and centre, when they' you know when they're slaughtering the pirates at the start, it, it looks very mm. CGI. The blood and guts, um, and it does lose something, I think, doesn't it, by not having sort of guys getting properly shot and
1: things. Yeah. Like this. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll revisit this when we do Expendables 3, because I think probably then, when we've got the PG-13 reign we'll be hankering for the CGI blood. So it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Like, like it, they can't really win no matter which way you go. Like, I'm glad they went for the R rating. I was glad they went for the higher rating. But I do. as you said, I think I would have preferred it if they committed early. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think, it, you know, it was obviously a, a, a late decision. Um and there's not a lot of swearing in the film either, compared mm. to the first one. That there's not many f bombs in it. If it's, if are there any at all? I'm I think there's Yeah,
1: I can't think of I, any. Th-
2: there might not be, to be honest with you. Um, and nobody dies like a really horrific death as such. Uh, Scott Adkins apart, I suppose. But even then, that's quite. It's so quick, isn't it? Mm. He just, it, it, literally just backs on, and then he's sort of you very briefly see him sort of son's head, and then he's sort of <laughs> he's out the picture kind of thing. But. Um, but yeah, but he certainly plays a, a good part. I think he's, um, I think as a villainous duo, him and Van Damme are, mm. a real, a really good. There's a good chemistry between them, and I think, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's. I mean, I read somewhere he, he, he was offered a part in the first film, Scott Atkins, but had to turn it down. So I don't know what that would have been. Maybe would have been the Brit in the first film, mm. like the um, the the uh, Gary. Is it Gary Daniels? I think that's his name. The guy who's like the third in command after after Steve Austin with like the Fu Manchu. Yeah. 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 Stash, who has that martial arts fight with, um, Statham and Jet Lee in mm-hmm. these sort of cat- catacombs. I think maybe he would have probably been offered that. You would have thought. Yeah. But Had to turn it down. And then obviously then got his, his part in this, but, um, I think Skarsgård is one of those guys I think he's a real star. I think he's mm. very I think he's very I think he's a very underrated actor as well. I think he he can act a lot better like you see his performance in John Wick 4. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. it's a, I mean obviously it's not serious but it's a lot of fun and he you know he does good accent work um and you know shows a bit of versatility. I think you know it's a shame for him that at least to this point he's not broken through to sort of that level of I mean obviously he's a leading man and stars in films but they're not He's not starring in films that are getting cinematic releases as such as he, you know, over the you know supporting roles here and there in them. So it's mm. it's a shame for him really because I think he is probably that next generation, isn't he? Of you know, I don't know what age he is now. He must be quite quite deep into his forties at this point, but mm. he, he is quite that that next echelon, I think, of of of, of stars um, action men. And it's mm. a shame really. I think he's not had that that one big breakout performance it's a shame
1: i couldn't agree with you more I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole watching his films this year i was just as you were talking if i looked a bit distracted sorry i was trying to get into my letterbox to see because yeah i've watched 37 of his films this year <laughs> um because because he, he is like a late discovery for me i guess yeah. i'd seen him and stuff but i hadn't really thought about it and then i was like oh shit this guy he's fucking brilliant so i've yeah i've watched all the boycas, I've i've gone down this massive rabbit hole Mm. um so i've even watched more scott Atkins and i have jason statham this year which is wow. which is quite surprising really considering i'm trying to watch every Statham movie but he's an interesting one because i can't tell whether he wants it i think much like the state he's quite mm. happy in his little niche i think mm. he he likes the films he makes he gets to take you know he's a producer now he gets to choose mm. what he does and produces it and I think he's quite happy in the world he's in. I mean, I'm sure he would take it if somebody offered him, do you want to be the next Jason Statham and have the mega bucks he's got and the the roles he's getting. But by that same token, I think, you know, I want to make the debt collector and the debt collector too. I want to make um, one shot on the sequel, which I don't know if it's going to be called two shot or whatever it's going to be called, but I think he's quite happy in this world where he's got a bit of control. And then he, as you said, jumped in and does John Wick 4 and, Steals the show Mm.
2: Yeah, it's a a weird one You know, why he hasn't sort of gone into that I mean, I suppose that kind of action Actor isn't really On trend, I guess You Mm. know, these days You don't really get that kind of action performance anymore uh you know not in mainstream blockbusters no i agree um, but i think you know he's got all the tools he, he you know he's a decent enough actor obviously he's got the martial arts prowess he'd look he's a good, good looking bloke he loves yeah. the parts yeah. you know he's he got good screen charisma as well i did see once as well actually years ago well not I say years ago it's probably not that long ago he did a screen test for batman um mm. i guess it was when they cast um Affleck in Batman versus, mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman so we're going back about 10 years here aren't we and there, there is it's somewhere on line of his like screen test where he's not he's not in the costume he's playing it as Bruce Wayne um but he he, he looks like Bruce Wayne doesn't he mm. Scott Atkins when you think of Bruce Wayne he, he mm. does kind of look well, he like he looks like
1: Ben Affleck to be fair
2: yeah isn't he? he's like that tall dark yeah ha- handsome brooding tough guy kind mm. of thing um so yeah he would have been a, a really good he could he could have done a lot worse than cast him. Um, oh,
1: definitely, yeah.
2: You know, it's just a shame he's not had that mm. one breakthrough moment. He like you said, even, even with this limited screen time in this film, he holds his own. You know, he he, he good good interactions with his sort of master Van Damme, and then. As you'd expect, a really good fight one-on-one with Statham as well. You know, he, he, obviously, I think he's probably the superior in real life, superior mm. martial artist to Statham. Statham's a bit more of a screen fighter than probably a real fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very good. And again, you know, Statham gets his moments as well. And in, 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 of the four films, this is where he. You know, I know this is your Statham podcast, so I guess we'd better talk more about Statham, really. But this is probably the, the moment in the four films where he gets that big one-on-one fight as well, because he doesn't really get it in the other three movies, at least not that I can recall. Anyway, against some, you know a decent yeah. Yeah, yeah. name. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's good.
1: I think the fight's pretty decent. I guess because I'm a, such a big fan of the two of them, I sort of wanted a more They Live style epic showdown that went on for ten minutes, yeah. perhaps. But... um. Yeah, you can see the skill level of the two of them mm. in that scene. And I think it's shot really well. A lot of the shots are backlit, so they're in silhouette, mm. which looks really cool. Mm. So yeah, I do like it, but I guess I, I just I just wanted more. I can't I can't help but want a bit more.
2: Yeah, I suppose it is quite brief, isn't it? But I suppose it's not going to go on forever because they're not the two main you know, they're kind of the entree to the main course, which of course is the Stallone versus Van Damme one-on-one fight, mm. which, which that's quite an interesting one, isn't it? It's like, it goes on long enough, I would suggest, but it, I don't know. Did, did you find it a little too one-sided? Like, I know at the start, Van Damme does a couple of big roundhouses and knocks mm. him down, doesn't he? He's like, down so soon I want my money's worth, whatever, as he says before, you know, sort of begging him to get back up and fight. But it, it does seem like he doesn't get enough of his own shit in it. Kind of, I don't know, I guess, obviously Sloan's the guy, so he's going to get more. But I don't know, it just, it seemed a bit too too one-sided.
1: No, I, I 100% agree. I yeah. watched um, Hidden Strike last night, the John Cena wow. and Jackie Chan movie, the Netflix movie. How was They're, it? Was any good? Very, very average. Um, yeah. But the best thing about that film is how they handled the physicality of the two characters. The mm. big brawlingness of John Cena and mm. the the skill set. And you know, like you were saying about Jet League before, you know, the the smaller in stature, but the more skillful fighter. So as you imagine to begin with, they are antagonists towards each other, and then they become buddies and they go on and, and team up. But I thought the way they handle both those things, when they fight each other, John Cena's a threat because of how strong he is, and Jackie Chan's a threat because mm. of how skillful he is. And then when they team up, they utilize those two skills perfectly to kind of combine together. And I think we could have had that here. We could have had Barney like brawling and getting stuck in and taking hits and mm. still keeping coming and Van Damme showing us all that skill set that he's got and almost mm. being kind of like, why won't this guy go down? Mm. Like, I can beat anybody, but this guy is he's so, he's so tough. He, you know, channel mm. Rocky again. You know, that's all Rocky ever used to do was soak up all the punishment until that guy's too knackered to fight anymore yeah yeah Um, Yeah. I love Rocky by the way that's not that's not a dig but um that 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 was his skill set right yeah block block
2: punches with your face yeah and um (laughs) just take take an inhuman amount of punishment and then dig deep and find something in the end but yeah I completely agree with everything you've said there it it would have been nice just to see a bit more of what Van Damme brings to the party Mm. um you know, it's, it's, it's a shame. Because I read somewhere that Van Damme actually re-choreographed the fight. Oh,
0: like, okay. they,
2: they, they laid out this fight. I mean, again, this is on Wikipedia, so obviously it's (laughs) it's very much a fact or fiction toss a coin, isn't it, Wikipedia? But it does say, it says here, Van Damme redesigned his final fight with Stallone with the latter's approval. Van Damme was unhappy with the scripted fight, which had his character running away (laughs) and only a brief confrontation between the pair. He felt that the fans wanted a longer fight scene between the two actors, which is right. You know, you bring these two icons together, finally. You you want a good one-on-one. But yeah... (laughs) Yeah, we just don't get to see enough of of his his prowess, do we? I suppose you know, and you know we've spoken at length about what a great villain he is in this film. What a what a performance! And when it finally comes down to you know the showdown, it just seems like he I don't know he gets too easily beaten, you know, just mm. by the fact that Stallone decides to wrap a chain, drape a, tra- a chain over his shoulders, and be like, "Come on then, come on, villain!" And a bit like um, a feather boa, right? It is. Well, there we're going back into that territory, aren't we? It's, um, it's, all, it's all it's all getting racy, um, but yeah, it, I, I hate to say it disappointed me because it is, it is still a decent fight, and mm. it, just to see Sylvester Stallone fighting Jean Claude Van Damme on screen is a thrill, you know. Mm-hmm. Just to see two absolute icons of of action cinema having having a brawl is great, but yeah, it would have just been nice to see. Van Damme really, like like you said, really go for it, get mm. lay it in thick, and him absolutely get pummeled to within an inch of his life. And you know he's going to win, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's, no, there's no question, is there? You're not, you're not watching this fight going, what's going to happen here? What? It, it's <laughs> obvious what's going to happen. No no one's going to question it. But you would have liked seen a bit more jeopardy, wouldn't you?
1: A hundred percent. And that's where I think yeah. we said before, that, that first scene, he feels like a threat and it's... It's taken away a little bit here. I mean, actually, this fight is good. I agree with you. But it's not as good as the Barney Stone Cold one from The Expendables. No. Yeah. Because it really feels that he, well, he does lose that fight, actually. Barney loses that fight, doesn't he? And yeah, he yeah. Yeah, he does. Saved last minute by, by somebody else. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think we needed that same level here. It's a little bit of a, of a shame. Because it also starts weird. I don't know if, I wrote down the dialogue because I don't know if you remember it. They're stood Mm. like facing each other, aren't they? Mm. And Jean-Claude Van Damme says, you want to kill me like a man? I'm not going to attempt the accent. I'm just not going there. Um, Or you want to kill me like a sheep. So what's it going to be? Man or sheep? What? I don't know what he's asking.
2: I know. Yeah. How how does a sheep kill somebody? You know, I, I get, I get the, the, the the message behind it he's saying because he, he comes going i'm out of bullets he's yeah. out of bullets isn't he so he basically goes i'm out of ammo so you could literally put one between my eyes right now and, we, and that's the end of that or are you going to be a man and you know he's trying to bait him into finding mm. one-on-one because he, he might have a chance otherwise he's going to die so i get i get what he's doing but yeah how do you kill someone like a sheep
1: you know you would, you would say weird, like, like, a, like a mouse or something wouldn't you like a sheep what um is it meant to be like the, you know, no country when um, Sherger has like the air gun? Yes. Is that what he's kind of re- referencing that, you know, you you put down livestock?
2: Right. I don't know. Right.
1: It doesn't work, though. And whether I think the line is just shit because Van Damme's good in the rest of it and his delivery, isn't he? I just yeah. think this the the scripting here just doesn't work, does it?
2: No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um... Yeah, like Lee said, he goes. Yeah, you get that line about you are. Well, yeah, you want to man up on man yeah. you up, and then obviously that that fight, and uh, and and then there's even that bit where he where he where he, hits, he knocks him down, and he and he says, he goes da- straight down, and Stone goes coming back up, and just jumps, you know, jumps back up, and 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 they go at it again. You know, it, it's daft, but um, again, it just it it. If it had been a, a minute or two longer and a bit more variation and a bit more Van Damme, then mm. you could be saying this is one of the great all-time mm. iconic screen fights between two titans. But it just... I'm, I'm loath to say that I fell shortchanged by it, but I can't help wishing there was a bit more.
1: Mm. No, I agree. And because at the same time, you've got Arnie and Bruce mowing down people, haven't you? You had that cool moment slightly before where... It was Arnie, Bruce, and Sly all like lined up, shooting through the glass and taking people outside. all of that is paying yeah. off. So yeah. yeah, it is a little bit of a a bit little bit disappointing, isn't it?
2: It is just yeah, just a bit a bit more. I mean, like we said, it's not like you would doubt who would win, but it's just just a little bit more meat on the bone would have been mm. nice. Um, mm. But you, you can't have it all, can you?
1: You can't. And as you said, you know, at some point we should talk about the state because. He, he's, as you said, he had a couple of good scenes. He has the one in the church earlier on, doesn't he? When he's dressed up I as the priest.
2: Man and Knife.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's
2: the That's best the... line. In the, that is the best line in the film. That Agreed. The
1: Agreed. Film. And his yeah. best fight, I think. I think actually that fight's bet, slightly better than the Atkins one, but he's taken on lots of different goons around him with his knives because I feel a bit of Lee Christmas knife action.
2: Yeah no that is good that is really good and the way he's dressed in in like the priest's uh, cloak with the the hood up and everything mm. you know it, it's it, i like that a lot i think it's a really well choreographed knife fight uh, and he looks great as well it's almost like balletic mm. the way he takes there's, there's about six guys six seven guys in the in the room it's a small like church hall isn't it and um the way he just takes them all out is fantastic it really like shows him at the top of his game mm. it's 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 very good um but yeah he, i mean he, I actually think he probably features in a way, probably has less to do in this than he does in the first, because, like we were saying before, it's more of an ensemble piece. Mm. You know, there's not that big section where it's just him and Stallone. He, he probably has a bit less to do. But what he does, I think it's still great. You know, I like, the, I like the, the the scene where they go and, like you said before, about Maggie with the torture kit. Before that, it's him and Sly in that bar with the knuckle dusters. He's saying, you yeah, know, and they flat caps oh yeah like yeah like they <laughs> just brought some flat caps along you know um some very strange fashion choices mm-hmm. in these films i can't wait to to talk about the third one in due course we can talk about that jacket that sly wears when he goes on his recruitment drive with kelsey Grammer. Um, you'll need you'll need to rewatch it to see it but i the do jacket yeah. is, it's quite the fashion statement that he uh, that he wears it is it's it's proper like 60 year old millionaire's jacket oh, okay. it's, it's, it, it is great um uh, what was it oh yeah but that, yeah yeah say yeah, statham, yeah. He, i mean statham is statham in this film he, yeah. he, you know he delivers um he you know he, he, it's action he's on point his his banter is sly is there there's just i think there's just a little bit less less of it and probably mm. a bit less for him not that i don't say a bit less for him to do but i think there's less of a focus on him in this film isn't there i think
1: i agree i i don't I don't think it's a detriment to him because I think
2: no, I agree with no.
1: you when he's on screen he's got his usual charisma him and Sly clearly got on a real life and that translates to the way that the characters get on within yeah. the movie there's that weird section when he's sent off to go and get some guns and he disappears out of the film for about 20 minutes yeah he misses the
2: whole Chuck Norris thing doesn't he he's not he's not there for that yeah. for that section but then you don't see him do anything like it's not like you see him go and fight a lot of baddies on his own in another section he just basically just meets up with them again afterwards and mm. that's it
1: it says he gets yeah. lost for seven hours or something it's weird but yeah, yeah but what yeah i think i think in order to fit everyone else in naturally he has to have a bit less screen time doesn't he and mm-hmm. what can you do when you've got all these other people in the cast you you say okay fair enough
2: yeah yeah exactly. Arnie can have get, that
1: two minutes bruce can have that three minutes Chuck Norris can have that three minutes you've got to haven't you
2: yeah exactly you know you're not although you're getting less of of our guy you're not feeling shortchanged by what you are getting in this film that's that's why I think it is is the best because you're taking all the elements that you like from the first film mm-hmm. and just giving you a bit more of it you know you're getting much more Bruce Willis you're getting much more on Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. you know do you like Chuck Norris here's 10 minutes of Chuck Norris you know you you want a, a much better physical villain here you go you want mm-hmm. You want a grandstanding off kilter performance. Eric Roberts, you know, he is a good villain in the film. And he's a, I I like Eric Roberts, got a lot of time for him, but he, he plays it very, there's nothing exceptional about Eric Roberts in that first film, I don't think. But like we, you know, we've spoken about Van Damme at length, you know, his performance is so out there mm. and off unusual you know it, it's all there in this film i think it is I, I, you know it's all subjective it's all horses for courses of course but um but uh, yeah this i think this is the high point of the franchise in my humble opinion anyway i think it just has the the right balance of of comedy action violence sheer ridiculousness larger than life stuff um you know an actual death of someone mm-hmm. yeah i think i think overall it's not perfect by any stretch of imagination i think overall it is for me anyway the high point of the series
1: no i i think probably you know i'll be in the same place i just the only thing at this point compared to the original i think it has the original has a little bit more kind of edge to it has a little bit more character this one feels mm. a little bit more formulaic but I think it does do everything better. And I think the final exchange between Trench and Church and Barney kind of sums up this movie and what we should be thinking and feeling. Um, Because when Church, they've all won, but Barney's lost his plane because he crashed it into a mine. (laughs) and (laughs) Because you do. And uh, Church gives him a new plane, doesn't he? Yes. Then so if you remember this, so Barney says, That thing belongs in a museum. And then there's a little pause, and Arnie's trench says, We all do. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's an actual little genuine laugh from Sly. I don't know whether that was improvised or, or what, but there's a, just a real genuine kind of chuckle from Sly. And then Bruce yeah. walks past him as um, Church and says, Fun, right? And it's you know, him and Arnie, and as you said, Chuck Norris all leaving on the plane. But that little exchange between the three of them kind of, that's where we should all be. Fine, we're too old for this shit, but we're all having fun. Just enjoy it for what it is. It sums it up perfectly.
2: It does, and I think you can tell everyone is enjoying themselves as well. You know, if if you're one of those guys in this film and you're not having fun, then you're not. You mustn't yes. be a fan of you. Mustn't be a fan of life, I don't think. But you know, you can tell it's it's, it's for them to. I guess to finally all come together in a film, albeit. It would have been great to see them all together in a film in their heyday, in their prime, so mm-hmm. to speak, when they were the biggest things going in in, in cinema, and obviously were you know in their physical primes as well. That god can you imagine what that would have been like? A mm. late eighties, late eighties, early nineties Sly Bruce and, and Stallone all in the same film. The the world would literally have ended. Um, <laughs> well, mine would have. <laughs> um, but yeah. It, you're right. It's a nice scene, and it, there's quite a bit. There's almost a, like a touching element to it as well, mm, isn't it? I agree. It? No, it's not, although it's light and it's it's played for laughs, and there's like a not a sort of turning out of the lights kind of thing. But it's like because you know there's another film to come off, so we don't get Bruce Willis again in the franchise for depending on what you read, various reasons as to why he didn't come back with a third, like disputes over money and and what have you. Um, but it's almost like that kind of like, especially when they they leave on on the on the chopper and leave Sly behind, obviously to take the shitbox plane with the team. And it's like, yeah, that's like mm. sort of thank you, thank you, and good night, isn't it?
1: It is. And I kind of wish the film ended there. We get mm. a pointless, horrible French nurse gets some money scene,
0: mm.
1: and then we get the Expendables on the plane singing or some weird mumbo jumbo collaborative chant it's almost as if like the first one ended on poetry we need some sort of like yeah oh literary yeah it's a weird moment
2: yeah i don't know what it is whether that it's like supposed to be i mean if, if i did some research i'd probably find it's. is it like some kind of american like military like chant song or something like that or is it just like Something they've made up themselves. I'm not sure whether there's like some actual military tie to that sort of mm. thing they're coming out with, but it is a terrible. It's a terrible way <laughs> to end the film. I'll be honest, it is shit, isn't it? Really, you know, you'd, you'd usually expect like some zinger of a one-liner or something like that, or, or like you said, a, you know, a wonderful bit of you know beat poetry again by uh, <laughs> by Jason Statham, you know, delivered in the most ridiculous way um something like that um but yeah it's yeah. really it's a really bizarre ending isn't
1: it really i kind of not what
2: you're looking for i guess but you
1: know it, it is what it is isn't it it is so you do get the final line don't you which is lee saying oh, you should really learn you should really learn a fight that is kind yeah, of that is face- the final yeah. final line but, um, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just a bit lost after that, and I, I think I did read something about it on the IMDb trivia, but it's got out of my brain since it clearly wasn't that memorable of a of a bit of trivia a note. And I think it was like trying to like put his spin on that kind of like you said, like that kind of military, yeah, chant. So we're all in it, all in it together. That like hoorah stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's not how I would have liked seeing it end. Really, you know, maybe like a. Like you said, end it there with like them flying off and Stallone kind of like giving them like a nod or a salute or something mm. and then like maybe like a zinger of a one liner with Statham or something, and then it's like right on the plane, lads, and you just see them board the plane and the the end credits as the plane takes off into the sky or something like that.
1: But, oh, I so, like that. Kind of yeah, last crusade yeah. style riding off into the sunset, yeah.
2: Exactly, something like that. So yeah, it's not it's not the greatest way to end it, but yeah, you get what you're given, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and we're thankful for it. I'm thankful for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Before I get your final word, can I indulge you in some quick letterbox reviews? Oh, yeah. All right. Lou Shoemaker, I'm starting with him today because he's not much of a fan. Here's the thing. The idea of making a throwback action movie in the vein of Commando or Rambo First Blood Part 2 actually appeals to me. But the style of these movies is thoroughly modern in all the worst ways. The cast is so massive that hardly all anyone gets to do is crack a one-liner and half of them aren't action stars in any sense of the word. Terry Crews, Randy Couture, a bit harsh. The other half of the cast give new meaning to the term paycheck performance. The only one who has any fun is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm. He plays a bad guy literally named Villain. (laughs) Um, Full disclosure, I watched this and I got so bored to tears that I've basically forgotten anything Statham does in it. All I remember is that he has even less to do here than in the first movie, so he's not agreeing with you at all. Yeah. And his plot mostly revolves around the other guys calling him a whim because he has a girlfriend, which we did touch upon. Not all the other guys, you just Barney. but
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, girls suck.
1: Girls suck yeah. according to Barney, it's true. Yeah. So he's not a fan of this one, sadly.
2: Well, he should... Wash his fucking mouth out as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) That's 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 borderline blasphemous what he's just written. How dare he? How dare he? No, I'm only joking. It's his his opinions are no less valid than ours. Um not what I would say about the film, but I I can't disagree with some of the points he makes, you know. Mm.
1: I think Um, I understand his point about it. Like if it's gonna be full throwback, go full throwback. And you were saying that, you know, get the scripts going, film on film, and you know, do rather than digital, all that kind of stuff, like proper go full throwback it also did remind me whilst you were talking a minute ago you were talking about like what if we got like a proper Willis Arnie um Sly crossover in the 80s we course could have got it because Commando and Die Hard 2 both share Valverde and don't they This the, the Stephen D'Souza made up country yes so we could have got like John Matrix coming into the Die Hard franchise couldn't we or we could have got because the general that comes on the plane, the es- the general, is it General Esperanza. Esperanza. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. from coming from Valverde, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we yeah, could have got, yeah. we could have got it. It was right there for the taking, but nobody, nobody jumped on it at the time.
2: I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If that that had been where it was set or something like that, um, what a missed opportunity for yeah, that right. kind of shared, shared universe. You know, you know, John Matrix, are John we, are,
1: McLean, John Rambo, right. Three exactly, johns yeah. we could have called it or something the,
2: all the johns all the johns yeah i wonder if the predator film was set in valverde as well you know like the jungles of or is that or do they actually name cuz they just kind of say cent- think, central america or do they yeah, name the country i think
1: they sure. name it don't they at one point it's right. like venezuela or somewhere but um yeah, yeah i mean make- we, we could retroactively say it's valverde as well I can't make why not
2: yeah yeah yeah, they should have done it then. Yeah, they should have at the at this film. <laughs> that's where they should have gone, Valverde, or say where to next. Where, yeah, you know, at the end they say, "Oh, I've got a oh, will or oh, Willis has said, you know, I've um when you boys are ready, I've got another job for you." Yeah, have you heard of Valverde or something like that? You know, just nice. something like some something like that, or you know, Schwarzenegger going, go, "Oh, I need a vac- I need a vacation now." Yeah, I've heard Valverde is very nice this time of year. <laughs> so, you know, some, something like that would have been would have been cool. Yeah, it
1: would have been. Mm. Let me read you a slightly better review. Mm -hmm. This is from Rainer Zoo. Marginally better in most respects than the original, but the dialogue still stinks to high heaven. (laughs) The climax here is actually pretty fun. Mm. But even then, every two minutes, a scene will stop dead in its tracks either Schwarzenegger or Willis can make some of the worst jokes you've ever heard. If I were to recommend you one action movie starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren and Scott Adkins that came out in 2012... This would not be it. Do you know what the other action movie starring those three guys is?
2: That would have been one of the Universal Soldier sequels, wouldn't it?
1: It would, yeah. Day of Reckoning. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen it?
2: Jesus. I've seen it. I've got it upstairs on Blu-ray. Oh, it's brilliant. It's, it is a good film, but I don't know if it's better than Expendables 2, to be honest with you. Do you not? Um, okay it always bugged me in that film why they made Luke Devereaux a villain, why they mm. made Van-, Van Damme's film, all of a sudden having been a hero in the previous three appearances I think he makes, why he suddenly became like this villainous character in, in, mm-hmm. in that one, but that's I guess that's a discussion for another day, but uh, no, it is a good film, it is a good film but I don't know if it's better than Expendables 2, to be honest with you, it looks like it costs like tuppence to make, to be honest it with does. you, it
1: yeah
2: um, you know, it looks like it was all filmed in like some you know disused power station or something in <laughs> Romania or something like that. Um, but oh, she's, she's got a point, you know, she's got a point. Um, I'm still seething over the previous
1: guy saying he was bored <laughs> to tears.
2: Bored to tears,
1: I know. Fuck. I find it hard to believe you're bored s- watching this movie.
2: I know. Jesus Christ, you know, he, he's, I think he was watching the wrong film. I think he should have turned that off and put Chocolat on 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 instead or something like that. <laughs> I think that would have been more his bag. Uh, oh, oh I'm I'm not asleep tonight, Jack. I'm not riled.
1: I can tell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see, let's see if Peter Burt helps you feel any better. Oh, here we go. Jason Statham disguises himself as a priest and says, I now pronounce you. Man and knife. <laughs> then proceeds to stab a bunch of guys. The villain's name is Velaine. The Expendables 2 is light years better than the first one. It's actually a real movie, well directed with decent action and stuffed with cheesy one-liners that have been laughing throughout. It's brain dead, but not in a way that depressed me. Good movie? No. But to my surprise, this rewatch was actually fun. We're getting well, there. Getting to a place where you might be happy. I like, yeah, I like where he's coming from. But when he says good movie,
2: no, he's lost me, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, I what he's, all joking aside, what he says, yeah, it rings true, a lot of what he said. Yeah, it's, I can't disagree with anything he, he says there. Um, you know, it, this film is what it is. This series is what it is. If you're looking for high art and intellectual, you know, discussions where they actually do discuss what the message is in life, as opposed to like a ham-fisted, Graveshide eulogy, what's the message then there's, you know, there are films like that out there where this isn't one of them but if you're expecting anything different than what you actually get in this film then you're just setting yourself up for a fall aren't you, mm. you know what, you know, you should know what it is going in you should know what it is at the t- going in at the top so, you know it always sort of amuses me when people write reviews that kind of want to knock it down for being what it is, you
1: know yeah. This kid's film a- was not for me says 60 year old white man
2: yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. i didn't enjoy trolls 2 it was very kiddie ish wasn't it (laughs) you know um you know well it is what it is you know you know what it is going in you know what it is going in there's no there's no hidden surprises in this film there's no hidden depths to it it's not it's not pretending to be anything it isn't. The trailers aren't misleading. The mm. marketing's not misleading. The, the the cast isn't misleading. You know what you're getting. So I don't know. It always yeah. brings me when people like to sort of shit on it for what it isn't rather than... You can shit on it for what it is, if you like. You can say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's, it's crap and it's badly acted and it's badly written and, and, you know, no one's any good in it. Fine. But, you know, if you're going to criticise it for not being something, well, that's just silly in my opinion.
1: No, I agree. Yeah, but, you know... We both have said that we like both these movies, but we've called yeah. out thick. We called out criticisms. That's mm. okay to do, but yeah, just blindly saying it's not for me, so therefore it's rubbish. That is, yeah. that is, we know that's a rampant problem with opinions on the internet, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you know what to say about opinions. So yeah.
1: Oh, I'll bring I mean, you home. Sorry, yeah, go no, 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 I, no, no, no.
2: You're about. You're about to.
1: Uh, I thought well, we I was were going
2: to say. I was going to say opinions are like ourselves, aren't they? <laughs> right. so, well, I, was, I thought we really, yeah. of
1: that hanging for people to fill in the blanks with their own version. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's
2: entitled to the opinion. Like I said earlier, that guy's opinion is no less valid than ours. So you, you do
1: you, is my message. All right. Redberry 74. Come on. Make mm. Max happy. Yes. This is one of those rare movies where everyone's opinion is correct, no matter what it is. This is the best <laughs> movie ever made. And this is also the worst movie ever made. It's a lot of fun seeing these old action superstars together saying their old quips. And it's really cringy seeing these old farts together saying their old quips. The action was over the top. Awesome. And the action was over the top and awful. The plot and acting were bad. But that doesn't matter in a film like this. And the plot and acting were bad. And it absolutely does matter in a film like this. All these things are true. The Expendables 2 is the Alpha and the Omega. There is no wrong answer. There is no right answer. For all answers are both. All that being said, Jean-Claude Van Damme stole the show as the villain. And if you don't agree with that, you're wrong. Do you know what? I actually agree with that.
2: That's an excellent he's right, review. he's right in what he's saying. Because you can agree with either side of the coin there depending on what your personal stance is mm-hmm. like saying if, you, if you're if you gonna just embrace it for what it is and enjoy it then everything he said about it being the, the greatest and most awesome film yeah fine but you can and i don't deny anyone's right to and, and i don't disagree with anyone's opinion actually you can watch this film in isolation and go this is fucking shit yeah. <laughs> um but you actually can and and i if someone did come up to me and go this film's crap and I can understand why you would think that, and I wouldn't really have it in me to disagree with them because, again, if you're not looking for this type of film, then in just judging it on its own merits, you could go, "Yeah, the acting's fucking dreadful," because it is in a lot of places. You could go, "Yeah, the dialogue's terrible." We, you know, we we've pulled apart some dialogue in, in this. You know, you can say this is crap and this is crap, and, and you'd probably be right. But you can also say this is great and this is great. And you'd also be right. And you're talking about the exact same thing, which this guy <laughs> just wasn't in his review. So I take my hat off to him.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, I yeah. tried to find statement-focused reviews. There wasn't any statement there, but I thought that was just too good not to share. And yeah. actually has brought us to a close in a perfect way that the Expendables movies could only dream to do. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Um, so, worth catching, classic, or completest only for the Expendables too.
2: Well, completest only no, forget that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it it would be hard to call it a classic classic, but out of the three options you've given me, I'm going to put it there. I have to, yeah, because I think I think it's a it's completest only no, it's far better than that, and I think it is better than worth catching. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we're talking about it specifically within the parameters of the Statham mm-hmm. catalog, then yeah, I would think it is in the top, at least the top 10, I would say of his, his movie output. Mm-hmm. If not, if not, again, it's only my opinion, what does that matter? But I, I would maybe even put it in the top five of his, his stable. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, maybe just about. So yeah, I would I would tell you it's a classic. It's a classic without being a classic, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah,
1: absolutely. But
2: judged in our parameters, uh, yes, for me a classic. What say you?
1: I think that central scene is as a, a classic, but I feel like yeah. yeah, there's there's some sections where he's not in it enough, and I think I think if that Adkins fight. Had just been had just upped this game one more level. I'd be with you, but I think at the moment, with what I've seen up to this point, I'm I'm one notch down. I think I'm I'm at a worth catching place. But there I agree. I agree. Like considering what the safe's capable of doing and what he's doing at this point in his career, you know, he's bringing it in this movie. I think he brings it in most movies. He doesn't ever seem to to slouch or phone it in. Really, I don't think.
2: I agree. He's always good. He's not, Whatever the film is he's in, whether the film itself is good, bad, or indifferent, he always brings what you want him to bring, doesn't he?
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. And what we want you to bring, look at that segue, is our next mandatory <laughs> music and CD episode. What's happening? We've we, got one coming
2: up soon. We have, uh, myself, Dave, and Tony, we've had the the most terrible spell of scheduling conflicts you could ever Hope to address whenever we've put a date in, either one of the three of us has, uh, has said, Look, you know, life's happened, or this has happened, or that has happened, and I can't do it. You know, something's come up. And the- so at the minute, we've penciled to record between Christmas and New Year uh, because everyone gets a bit of time off work and there's mm-hmm. a bit more flexibility there. Um, I mean, this is as we record that's what's happening it might not <laughs> don't, don't, don't come after me if it doesn't happen but yes uh, it's been a while it's been a good few weeks since the last episode but we have penciled in to record iron maidens the number of the beast um some point between christmas day and new year's day this year <laughs> i hope it happens if it doesn't it doesn't but it will happen at some point but yes currently as we sit and then that episode will presumably land first week of january all being well
1: great you so That'll be a couple of weeks after this comes out. Yes. And then you'll be back with me for Expendables 3. <sighs> uh, looking at my lists, So early February. So we're getting a bit more max in our ears over the next couple of months.
2: Uh, I can't wait. Again, it It just gives me that excuse if anyone needed to, to re-watch <laughs> the film. So I can't wait. I, 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 Expendables 3 isn't one I've not watched in in some time. And it's one I have quite mixed emotions are, whereas I've waxed lyrical tonight about how much I love this film uh, th- the third one I think will be slight, slightly more of a mixed bag to me but um, compared to if and when we ever talk about the fourth film I will be treating part three like Citizen Kane
1: <laughs> <laughs> brilliant thank you mate my pleasure and uh, thank you everyone else for listening and partaking in this journey with me through the stage filmography that was Expendables 2 Next up in a fortnight is Parker, featuring the long-awaited return of Blake Biles to see out 2023, followed by Redemption, or you might also know it as Hummingbird, to Welcome in the New Year, starring your friend and mine, Math, for anyone that is watching along. I've been I'm Jack's Musings, and that's J-A-C-S, and you can find me on X where I'm most active. You can also contact the show directly on X under the name Back to the Filmog. Make sure you use the hashtag Follow the Filmography. I'm also a proud member of the Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people, dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So, please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe, and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I am Jack signing off. yippee ki movie lovers!